0: Excited about this new series called This Place Is For You. Can you say it with me one, two, three? This place, yeah, this place is for you. And we've been putting signs and we got a few more left. If you didn't get one, you want to put one in your front yard, you can get one. And uh just getting the word out that this place is for you. Now, I would say this it's easy to just think that we mean just elevation churches for you. You know what I'm talking about. Like, and, and by by the way. We believe that Elevation Church is for you. Anybody with me? Say yes. Because yeah, when you go to a place that feels welcoming and inviting, well, that that feels comfortable. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like when you, when you go to someone's house and you just feel like you can be there and it's nice and you feel like you're at home, that's a good feeling, you know? like And, and, and by the way, your home, there's certain things about it that like when you've, Want to? you can go over to your refrigerator and open the door. Anybody ever do this? Maybe I'm the only one. You open the door, and then you look in there, and you really don't know what you're looking for. You're like, there's that white Styrofoam box. wonder how old that is. Should I take a chance? Or, you know, the pickle jar has got three pickles in, but you don't know if you want pickles because you just are looking. You're kind of scouting out the land, the layout, to see what is available. But, you see, you probably wouldn't do that at somebody's house that you've been to for the first time. You know, if you come to my house the first time and you go to the refrigerator and you're looking around, I'm going to look at you strangely. Not because I don't want to welcome you. I'm just like, what is he doing? What is she doing? You know what I mean. Anybody with me? Right? But, but then there's some people you go to the house, like if you've been there many times and you know them, well, you feel maybe comfortable enough to do that. Or maybe you go through the garage instead of the front door. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about. Like you, you get to know them a little differently and, and there's, a, there's a comfort level. And, and you'd say, well, I love being there. With them, in that place, and I say that that, this—that well—we want people to feel that way. But place isn't always just a, a physical location. Certainly, it is. So if you ask me for directions to a place, which you probably wouldn't do because you do on your phone. But years ago, prior millennium, somebody'd say, "Hey, how do you get there?" And you say, "Well, you go down here, make a ride on that, and you know, hang a left over there, and you give them directions to get to the place because it's a physical location." But place is more than that. Like if, if you were if you were taking a test and with a lot of others, somebody may ask. Anybody remember you did the SATs? And like people like telling their scores, you don't want to tell yours because everybody's saying. But what they're looking for is how did you place? Where was your placement? Or entering college, they had to take these tests, and they're trying their placement test. I don't think they even called them that, but what they're trying to find out is where they're gonna put you at. Like are you gonna place out of some classes that you don't have to take? Or you're standing in line, or in, as they would say in England, you're in the queue, and you're standing there, and somebody may say, what's your place in line? you ever save a, a space for somebody to join you? Like, it's, that's dangerous stuff, but you did it before, you know? Like, you, somebody's going to get there a little late, and you're going to let them in line with you. And so they may, they may text you before they get there, what's your place in line? And what they're saying is, what's the position, could be location of, And then I would say, so we understand it that way, but then there's also just the whole idea of a spiritual place that we arrive at in Jesus. I'll tell you something, that that you are not, if you're in Christ, you're not in the same place that you were without him. Matthew 20, verse 28, says in the latter portion of that verse, says this, and uh, and the King James says, Lo, Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Somebody was afraid to fly, and they said, you know, that's why I don't want to fly, because he said, I'm with you low. He didn't say, I'm with you up there. Right? It's, it's, and, and really, some of your rivals may even say this, behold, I am with you always. That's a, it's a good promise. Somebody know that. That Jesus said, when you invite me into your life, and, and picture this, um, he's in a place where he's, he's going to be ascending and leaving his, the people that have been so close to him, and uh, no doubt they're saddened. You ever go away on a long journey, and people around you, like, you know, they're, they're, they don't want you to go, or they're going to miss you or whatever, and, and there's a sad feeling, but he's going away. And they're not going to see him and be with him. Like and, and he gives them this promise that, you know what, I'm going to be with you always. You can go through all the stuff you want to go through, even to the end of the age and I'm with you. I'm with you. What a promise. A promise of his presence. A promise that that your place in him is with him. I'll tell you, that right there, I could just like stop and you could walk away with that and think about that for the rest of the week, what it means to have Jesus with you. But but I want to help us maybe dig in just a little bit further. I, I think about how that Everybody, you probably got a favorite place right now. Like your home may be your favorite place. Maybe you like a bookstore. You know, I like bookstores. I like to go to bookstores sometimes. Or a coffee shop or a restaurant. Maybe your backyard. Maybe the garden for some, that's your favorite place. Maybe maybe a relative's house or a friend's house. When I was growing up, I had favorite places. We all did. One of my favorite places was uh, we go hang out at the mall. I was talking to somebody the other day. Uh, and they was uh, my son-in-law was saying, when he was trying to go to the mall. He said, we didn't have any money. Let's walk around the mall. Anybody, anybody ever do that before? Like, like, I mean, isn't it a change today? You could not have any money go to the mall today, and there's like half the stores aren't even open. You know what I mean? Like, the change in the place. You know, you remember, anybody remember Orange Julius? Like, if you're old enough to remember. Or when Chick-fil-A was only in the mall. Like there wasn't like a Chick-fil-A you could go to. You had to go to the mall to get Chick-fil-A, right? All the, all the little things about the mall that has, has uh, changed, but that was a place. Or uh, in my neighborhood, there was a boys club not too far from where I lived, and that was a place where a lot of guys would go there play ball and, and hang out, and that was a place that guys loved. Or maybe your school. Or you went to school. Maybe some people. You look back now. Maybe you loved it, but you didn't know you loved it then. But, but school, or maybe a relative's house, or a friend's house. Certainly, your home might have been a, your, a place that you loved. But, but one for me was my my grandma's house. Go over to grandma's house. She she had a couch. This is a little '90s, I think this couch is. But but she had one that was a little more um, '70s. And I go over. There, and and the thing about my grandma is that she kept plastic on her couch. I think till the day she died. I think maybe one day she thought there's gonna be a big day where we pull the plastic off and we just have a big party. But she kept the plastic on there. I also think, you know, depression era people, they just understood how to be frugal, how to save, how to take care of stuff at a level that some of us uh only aspire to do. And I remember I, I was a little kid. And uh, she died in 1984. Uh, she'd be 107. I don't do that with people very much, but I thought, I wonder how old she'd be now, 107 if she's alive today. Mary Magdalene. They, they used to call her at church, they called her Sister Mag, Sister Maggie. And uh, she's a little Italian lady, and then she's married to my grandpa, Emmett. And uh, just uh, she was always the loving grandma. Just, I mean, just I don't know how she did it. She always, because, I mean, I was kind of a rambunctious little boy sometimes, you know, except when I was there, somehow, I'll talk about this in another week, somehow I, need, I knew I needed to have a certain kind of behavior around her that maybe if I was outside in the yard at my house, I wouldn't have that same kind of behavior. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's not because she's going to knock me over the head or something. It's just because her love and her kindness almost evoke that out of me. A whole other message. But but I'm just saying this. There were some things that you always knew at Grandma's house. And I'd, I'd come, hey, Gavin, can I borrow you? Yeah, can I borrow you? Yeah. When you get called out like that, you don't know what's going to happen, you know. Yeah, so so sit, on, sit on this right here. You can hear it when you sit down. You know what I'm talking about? And really, I don't think it's as comfortable as not having it. You know what I mean? It'd be better not to have it. Yeah, because, like, we know, like, you got, you got, like, some cloth sofa or whatever you sit on. you're like, oh, this is nice. Plastic just changes the whole dynamic. Like, the designer, I don't think, thought, let's put rough, hard plastic on it so you can sit on that and not enjoy it. No, they made it out of material, and, and, there's, and there's different kinds of, of uh, stuff that's in here inside of there. I don't know what it is, but they put stuff in there to make it nice instead of being nice so there's plastic on it. And then another thing that, that Grandma did... You know, we called her Maumau, and I thought, where did Maumau ever come from? I was thinking back. I thought, well, I was the oldest, so I must have invented that thing, you know? I don't know what she thought about it. She never asked me, but everybody called her that. But, but I don't normally carry it. You know what that is? Doily. And I'll be, I'm not the guy that has a doily with me all the time, by the way. I'm just saying but Grandma, she had doilies, and it was like they were pressed or something. And just really, like, her, her house was immaculate. And I'm not saying when I was growing up, my house wasn't immaculate. It wasn't. But, you know, I'm the oldest of six. And you got six kids. If you got one kid, it's tough. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, I wish my house could be semi-immaculate or, you know, kind of immaculate-esque or something. But, and everything was in order, and everything was there. And you go over and sit on the sofa, and you kind of sit like that, except I always felt like I had almost, he's like, he's like enjoying the sofa a little bit, but I almost felt like I had to sit in an uncomfortable posture on there because I might do something to it. I don't know what I thought. And then they had this box over here. I don't know, maybe 20 inches, maybe 19. It wasn't big. It wasn't like what we have today. And what they called it was, like you may have a flat screen, you may have a TV, you may even have a television, but they had a television set. Anybody ever heard that terminology, television set? Like, you're not, you're not going like, i got a new television set hung on the wall. Nobody's saying that now. And I thought, where'd that come from? And did a little Googling and searching and found out that, that originally TVs came with different components. It wasn't just all in one thing, that there was tubes in this box and electrical stuff and all this stuff. And so they just continued to call it that. Turn the television set on. And it was black and white. Color TV was, you know, somebody on MTV or something. I don't know who had that, but I'm just black and white. And then I learned. I'm not a, I'm not a huge baseball fan. But what I know about baseball, I learned from Mama. Because she liked me. And my brother had a little discussion about this. He said she liked the Dodgers. I said, no, she liked the Reds. And here's why I think she liked the Reds, because I know who Johnny Bench is and Pete Rose and Joe Morgan. Because when I was over there, she'd have the Reds on playing baseball Or she'd have it on the radio listening to them play a game. And I learned, I'm just talking about some of the things. Because maybe it's your grandma's house, maybe it's and you can remember some of the things. Maybe it's somebody else's house. Some of the things that were only there, only happened. Like, you know, she had this little thing with all the presidents on it. And they were big FDR people like Franklin Roosevelt and talked about him a lot. They had all these little figurines, and I just go and look at it. You couldn't touch it. But you look at it, and we just look at, try to memorize the president. I don't know why she even had that. I wish I would have asked her. Why do you have the president's setting over there? You know, and then up on the back wall in the dining room was this, like, you know, everybody ever seen a velvet Elvis, right? She had the Last Supper up there, and 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 I would say it wasn't the best picture of the Last Supper, because I mean, and those velvet-looking tapestries, you know what I mean, like. The faces look a little haunting and scary, and and the colors aren't just don't seem like they're real. But she had that hanging there, and I'm telling you what, we got a whole lot of family pictures. I don't know what we thought. Let's get in the picture with Jesus. I don't know what we're thinking, where well, we're all stretched out. Cause I had a big family, all and there's back here is Jesus and his twelve disciples with us in our family picture. I looked at a at a a picture album. I don't know if you even know what that is. A scrapbook thing. And here's all these pictures. And there's that painting. There's that painting. There's that, that tapestry and all those pictures. And just some little nuances. The candy dish and she'd pull out. I mean, the glass, people would take the lid off of. People would, would desire that today. She'd pull it off, like the carnival glass, whatever it's called. And she'd pull it out. And uh, so a lot of times, you know those little... See, we didn't have gummy bears. I don't know if they were around, if they hadn't been invented yet, or if we just couldn't afford the gummy bears. But she had these little orange slices that were gummy with the, like, sugar coating on them. And she'd offer And, by the way, that would never have been my first pick of candy anywhere, anytime. But when Grandma put it out there, you, like, oh, yeah, it's one of those orange slices, you gum on that thing and chew on it for a little bit, you know. Or, or, so I'll take you back. Some of you younger people, I'll take you back to prior millennium, in the grocery store, like in the A&P, there'd be a Brock's candy display. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's like white with like, I think pink and blue or something on it, if I remember correctly. And then it'd have like those little butterscotch candies. And then those those, those cinnamon, the red ones. Like right now, I can almost like feel a tingle in my tongue just because if you smell that, it gets to me. You know what I'm talking about? That, that candy and an assortment of different kinds of candy. And she'd always have so, usually the orange slices, but some, I think even some green slices maybe sometimes. And at Christmas time, I'm telling you, I mean, break your teeth kind of hard candy, like, you know. And she'd offer a piece of candy. That was grandma's house. It was one of my favorite places. And I will tell you, I loved that place because that place was for me. I was welcome. I was welcome. We'd go out. Her kitchen had a had a there was a door outside of it with a little porch wood kind of thing, and it had rails, and we'd swing on those rails. And she never got onto us for swinging on the rails, but we'd swing on the rails. Now, if there's a cat out there, she didn't like cats for some reason. and She had a way of shooting them out of here. You know, that maybe where I, maybe I inherited that. I don't know. Some of you love cats. That's cool. But I'm just saying that was grandma's house. I want not get you a, get a picture of that just so you know. Because I texted my brother the other day. He lives in Ohio. and said, hey, what do you remember about grandma's house? And just the way he thinks, he might be watching this today. So the way he thinks, he shot me a picture of it right now. And, man, I felt sad for a moment. And I'm not a sad-feeling person, but I just looked at it, and there it is. He said it sold for $4,000 last year. I thought, I almost wanted to go buy it and just have it and go in there. But you see, if I went in there right now, Gavin, you can have a seat. Thanks for being a great helper. Give him a hand. He, he's not ready to go to Hollywood yet, so that's good. But, you know, he did a good job. But here's the deal. If I, if I, if I went to that house right now and I knocked on the door and the people let me in, none of that, I oh, don't that couch may still be there covered in plastic. I don't know. But... But most of all that stuff, if not, all of it is not, all it's gone. And it's just stuff. It's a reminder. As I talked about some of this, it's a reminder. Some of you may even thought about things and people in your past and things they had. And, and it, these, those things were just nuances of who she, who she was. Right? It just spoke to who she was, the candy dish and the, and the ugly picture on the wall. And, and the, this is a 90s couch, but the 70s floral couch couch. It's just all nuances of of her. And and I would say this, as much as I know that what we're doing is good in this place, like to gather, I believe you're good people. We want to do good things. We'll have a serve day in September. We have stuff that we go and visit and feed the homeless on a regular basis. There's a lot of good things that happens. And yet if we're only doing good things and we're good people there's a lot of organizations that are good people doing good things. I mean, I'm just telling you, there's a whole lot of good organizations doing good things. The thing, the thing that, that makes us different is not because we're doing good things or somehow somehow we're trying to live good or whatever that looks like. The thing that makes us different, the difference for us is his presence, That when we gather, his presence is here. That in your life, he is present in your life. And as I as I read at the beginning of this message that in Matthew 20, 28, that he says this, that he's gonna gonna be with you. He's gonna go be with you always, that he's not gonna leave you, that his presence is the game changer. Tommy Tenney in his book, God Chasers, he writes and says this that 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 it's a troubling, uh, it's troubling that. There's a lot of bars that have more of the presence of God than a lot of churches. That's an indictment, that, 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 that his presence is so important. And because of his presence, there are nuances that we need to be aware of. And I think about how that, you know, in the book of Ruth, if you read about Naomi and Ruth, Naomi is, is left the place that she knew that she loved and is in a in Moab, another place, and she gets a rumor that god 's visiting his people, and she picks up and leaves and comes back, and she doesn 't come alone and I would say this that when we understand the power of his presence but we understand that when he is present, things change. There are prodigal sons and daughters that when they get a rumor that God is visiting his people will show up, and they won't show up alone. His presence makes the difference. And so, and, so, and so, if 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 I went to that house, or I thought about a few years ago, I did some mentoring at my elementary school, Maplewood Elementary, and and I went back there and they had a reading program, and I'd sit down with second graders and help them read, and and uh, and when I walked in, Mr. Long wasn't there, the principal, Mr. Archer, sixth grade teacher wasn't there, Mrs. Hewitt, Mrs. Barnett, Mrs. Uh, or maybe Miss Gully wasn't there, the art teacher. In fact, let me tell you who's there. I'm looking all the way back to the 70s when I was there. I was the only one that I recognized from that time that was there. Nobody else was there. And I walked in and I thought, this is strange. This doesn't feel like it felt when I was here because it seems as though everybody's changed place." Seemingly had a lot of familiarity. I knew where the hall was and where the rooms were, the gym was, and the cafeteria and all that stuff, but something changed. The people that were present that made it that place were gone. And understanding this, it's the nuances of his presence when we're in his presence. And I was, I was reading um, this week, last week, about a familiar story so, you know, in Mark chapter two, Matthew chapter nine, Luke chapter five, there's three gospels, three synoptic gospels all record about the man who was paralyzed and he had four friends that brought him to Jesus because he couldn't get there on his own. And by the way, I love to preach this story. I don't have time to preach it today. Go read it this week because it, it's a good one. And and um, Luke and Mark both mentioned that they tore off the roof and let him in. Matthew doesn't give us that detail, but then... Mark kind of places it early because Mark's uh, the, the chronology of Jesus' life in Mark isn't necessarily, it doesn't follow a timeline like you might find in another gospel. And so it, puts a little, it seems like early, but it seems like it's a little later. It looks like he's, he's left uh, Gadara, or the man that was possessed, Legion as some have called him, and he's been free. And now he's stepped into a place, probably in Capernaum, possibly in Peter's house. Some think it may have been even the house of the Lord. Um, but Luke five seventeen, there's a line there that I think is important for us this morning. And when I read it, I was like, oh, the other writers didn't share this. And he says this in, in Luke 5, verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law, some Bible say doctors of the law, sitting by, who had come out of every, somebody say every, every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And then here it is. You might underline or highlight this. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, that line right there, to me, is important. And, and I don't know exactly. I don't know how Luke was doing I, I picture sometimes, I try to think about the writer. The Holy Spirit's inspiring them. And, like, what are they thinking when they're, when they're writing this? Because the other guys, right, Mark, who's probably recording, most scholars believe, Peter's messages about the Lord's life. And then you got Matthew, who's a tax collector. He's recording it. But then Luke, the doctor, the physician, who I don't think he was there when this happened. He's been collecting information and data from people and listening in to find out about the Lord's life. He writes this story for us, and then he adds this little detail that I believe the Holy Spirit inspired him, maybe looking back at this and says, and the power, somebody say the power, of the Lord was present to heal. That Jesus, and not not only heal, but to heal them. Now, when they were writing this, and when the uh, King James guys were putting it into English, they pretty much used pronouns the way pronouns are. They didn't use them like we use them today. So when it said the power of the Lord was present to heal them, it wasn't talking about one person, right? If it was talking about one person, it would have said him. Are you with me? would have said there's a guy going to be coming in, carried by four friends, and the power of the Lord was present to heal him. No, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And who was them? Well, I think anybody who was there. Because so many times you see Jesus doing healing, and when he's doing healing, there's many that are present, and he heals all of their, all of their diseases. Are you with me? And so I think even the them included the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law that were present that, that were reasoning in their heart against Jesus, that were there. to two, th- two reasons they were there. They were either there to confirm he's a man of God and that he's not a false prophet, or they were there to trip him up. And it looks as though it was a second in this, in this uh, scene. And here's the thing. The Lord was present to heal Them. Them. And I just would say this that he's still the same as he was there. Some people get a picture of Jesus and they got Jesus in the Gospels and oh, look at Jesus and look what he does and oh, wasn't that powerful? And then they get Jesus today and they make him different, but that's not scriptural, that's unbiblical because it says this that Jesus was the same yesterday, somebody say yesterday, today, and forever. The same qualities and nuances and characteristics that you see in Jesus' life and the Gospels is still present today. If he had compassion on people then, he has compassion on people today. If he cared for people then, he cares for people today. If he healed people then, he heals people today. Somebody say yes to that. And I think it's so important that we grasp this, that the nuance of his presence is healing. Healing is available in his presence. Healing is available when we come together and this place is saturated with his presence. Healing is available. And I want to tell you throughout his ministry, healing, healing. In fact, I would say this, that there's never not a time when someone was brought to Jesus that needed healing that didn't get healing. Are you with me? Because when he was present, healing was available. Healing was available. And when he's present, healing is available. And and I would say this so many times over the many, many years that I've been in a place where we prayed for people, gathered around, praying, believing for healing. And by the way, healing can be emotional. You You say, I'm dealing with something that's, my emotions are just a wreck. Well, he offers healing for that. You say, well, you know, I got a relationship; it's busted, and I, I don't. He offers healing. By the way, there's got there's got to be some there's got to be some working on that together, right? But he offers healing if 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 those in a relationship want healing. He offer offers. Mental healing in our mind. He offers physical healing for our body and so many times praying for people and and have watched over and over and over and over again God work in healing in people's lives where it's undeniable it was him. I mean, I'm standing upright here today and only because of the healing power of Jesus do I look at my life and know that I have health because of him. I could take you to the, to the room in the hospital where I was at where the Lord came by and brought healing into my life when, when I was desperate for it. Are you with me? And some of you, maybe you're at a place right now where you need physical healing, or maybe it's emotional. Just know this, that in his presence, presence is healing. He, the Lord is present to heal, to bring healing. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me, let me just say it again, right? You will show me the path of life. How many need to know that? Right? You'll, you'll direct my steps. You'll show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, Psalm 16 is important, and this verse wraps it up because Psalms 14, David is giving us a picture of how bad the world is. And God looking down from heaven, seeing this world and and the hopelessness of it. And then Psalms 15 is is about the gate that you come through uh, to get uh, to him. But then Psalm 16 is all about getting in the temple and experiencing his presence. Jonathan was saying it earlier, seeing him face-to-face. Face. In fact, there's bread, show bread, in the temple, in the tabernacle. And that bread, sometimes it's called face bread. It's the bread of presence. How many know his presence? In his presence, there's fullness of joy. And I think about how the, we, we know happiness. In fact, the world knows happiness. The world wants happiness. They seek after, right, events and opportunities to experience happiness. And by the way, we all like to be happy. I mean, I pick happiness over sadness. Anybody with me? Like somebody saying, well, I really want the sadness. I'm like, we're going to pray for healing for you. I'm just saying, we pick happiness over it. Anybody in their right mind would say, I'd rather be happy than sad. I'd rather be happy than depressed. I'd rather be happy than discouraged. I'd choose happiness. And the problem is, happiness is all about our emotions. You know, I was I was, I was was talking about the first service, not my notes or anything, but, you know, the idea that if my favorite – one of my favorite cakes, got to be careful, I'll be honest with you, is that German chocolate cake with the coconut stuff on top. Like, I can eat that kind of cake. I'm not supposed to, but I can eat it. But, but then I like, anybody like German chocolate cake? Like, what about strawberry cake? You heard strawberry cake? I had some strawberry cake and it had real strawberries in it. I'm like, oh my, this is good. I even like strawberry shortcake. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I like, I don't know, I like, I like pineapple upside down cake. I, could, I mean, I can eat pineapple right side up. I don't care. I like, I like it. I like pineapple. I like cake. They go good together. I don't know. I like lemon cake, chocolate cake, white cake maybe. I'm just saying, like somebody says, you want a cake donut? No, I'd rather have the cake. <laughs> just give me the cake. <laughs> I don't need a donut that's trying to fool me to be cake and then it's gone real quick. Give me the cake. And I'm just saying I'm kind of an equal opportunity cake lover. If somebody makes a cake, I mean, I'm not getting the pie and what kind of pie I like because I'm equal opportunity pie lover too. But I'm just saying, right, your birthday, they make a cake for you. Don't put too many candles on it. I don't like that part. They make you a cake, buy you some ice cream. And not like that, you know, that nine nine. I don't know how much ice cream costs. That nine kind, it's not very good, but like that real nice ice cream. And then they sing a song about you. Give you gifts, smile at you, say how good you are, and all that stuff. Well, that's kind of can make you happy on a day that could be sad because you know you're changing digits and all that. But I'm just saying this: we can get happiness. Somebody can give you free tickets to the concert you've always wanted. You're like, oh yes, thank you. We can get happiness, but joy, the world can't give that to you. World doesn't have joy to give to you, but joy right? Fullness of joy comes in his presence. Not, not in the things and events and happenings of the world that bring happiness, but in his presence is fullness of joy. I I think it's, it's, it's the idea that, that uh, Psalms 22 verse 3 talks about this, that, that, that God is holy and he inhabits the praises of his people, that, that I'm, I can move at different levels of joy in his presence. Fullness of joy can be your reality in His presence. We, we experience that when we come to Christ in a life walking out our relationship with Jesus, our commitment to Christ. We experience joy, but then there's times when we can go deeper into that. How many know, how many know a good things good, but more of a good thing is even better sometimes, right? And so we can experience more of His joy as we enter into worship. And that's why we do worship the way we do. We, we want to experience the fullness of. The complete joy, right? The whole package. Not just a little joy, but all that he has for us. And I think about it's it's important to understand worship is the idea that I've focused my attention on him. Focus my attention on him to declare his worth and his value, to to assess uh, to him how important he is. And and you know, there's a lot of ways that you can you can try to you know, you can turn on K Love in your car or Get your Bible app, and those are all good things. And just, but there's something about even when we're together like this, or when you're alone by yourself and you're just in a place of of digging. It's no, it doesn't have to be technology or any outside influences. Just you and him, and all of a sudden you can get to a place where, wow, I just feel encouraged. I feel invigorated because I've been with him. I think it's sometimes the way that sometimes you'll see these little videos. Maybe I know you've seen them. Sometimes they'll even have it on the news where where a soldier who's been far away will come home and surprise maybe his kids or his wife or even his dog, you know? And I think about how that, that person that has, maybe somebody here today has a loved one that's in the armed services and maybe they're stationed far away and you, you've not seen them in a while and you know that they're alive and they're on the planet and all and you know they're present in this world but yet because they're not here, there's not a manifest presence in your life. And so maybe they'll even send you a letter. In the letter, they'll say, hey, things are great here. Hope you're doing well. da 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 da, da, da. And I've heard about these letters. Mike Ellington, he was in the Navy, and he said, he said he'd watch those guys get letters from their wife or their girlfriend, and they'd lay in the bunk. He said it'd be like four days later. He said and they've read that thing 15 or 20 times, just read it over and over and over. Because at some level, they feel a part of that person with them through the letter. And then and then also, you know, nowadays you could talk to somebody on the phone, right? And then and then that's a little 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 more than just a letter, you hear their voice, you can hear the sound of their voice. And and there's a little comfort in hearing that. But then with technology today, you could FaceTime someone, do WhatsApp, Zoom, where where face to face you're looking at them and you can see not only hear their voice but you can see their expressions and and you can see their reaction to what's being said and all that and and well, that's that's nice, but I want to tell you none of that, none of that, is the same as if they're right here, walking into your life. Like you ever seen you ever seen those little kids and and dad or mom will come in they've been they're still in uniform or something and those little kids turn around and they're just like just melting because they've got to hold on to and touch and be in the presence of that parent that's been away or or a spouse that, that turns, or, turns around and, and, and there he is or there she is uh, and sees that person. Or you ever seen those big old German shepherds? I mean, dogs that look like killers. And they'll bring that person in, have been there in six months, and that dog will act so silly, like turning around and backing up on the person and moving, doing all kinds of things. Because, and I will tell you it's one of the, the the best pictures that we can maybe get in this world of joy is when someone comes back into your presence has not been there for so long and all of a sudden the emotion and all the feelings and and, 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 and just the the, the the sheer enjoyment that you have because they are present again. What worship does is it's not it's not just a, a Bible study and Bible studies are great. It's not just a group meeting and groups are great. It's not just listening to Caleb in your car or, or any of that. It's the idea that you are coming into his presence. And if worship doesn't take us into his presence, if we're just singing songs, well, that's just Christian entertainment. Right? If, it, if, if you can just t- tune it on and, and listen for a little while, and I'm glad for our online audience, and some of you can't make it because of sickness or you got something going on, but if you just become accustomed to, to watching the show, well that's not the same as his presence. It's just not. Well, we, we, we can try to slice it and dice it differently, but he inhabits the praise of his people, and that means when we get together and we lift up his name he says i 'm going to be there, and he 's going to be present to heal and in his presence is fullness of joy that 's the nuances of his presence, just as much as I knew Grandma was going to have a plastic cover on her on her couch, and she had that candy dish and that those were givens, it was going to be there every time, I can tell you this, that healing and joy is a given in his presence. They're just characteristic of his presence in our lives. Psalms 23, verse 4 says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Lord, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. promise there is this, and and we know the first verse of this, of Psalm 23, say it with me, the Lord is, you got it, you make it me, right, still waters, green pastures, and then down here in verse 4, we get this promise. Now you need to understand that the Lord being the shepherd the shepherd is a picture of someone who's always with the sheep. Now the Bible talks about a hireling and a hireling well the sheep gets in danger they're just getting paid hourly. I worked at Kmart. Anybody know what Kmart is? And they had this call that would come out I was just a kid I don't know, 17, 18, 19. They had this call that would come with the intercom and it said Caroline. When they said the name Caroline, that meant different day. I mean, all the male employees, it meant they had to go to wherever they called that to. So, Caroline to the checkout line. You go up there. I mean, you just did it. And it meant there's something going on. And I guess they wanted to overwhelm them with all the men in the store. And so, but I remember one time, went up there, and then there's this person. Who had stole some stuff, and assaulted the checkout person, and it went outside in the parking lot. And so here we go. There's like 30 of us. I don't know, 40. I don't know. We all go out there, and I'm again, I'm like 18, and all of a sudden here comes this big, it's a big car like a Cadillac or a, some big Buick or something, and it comes moving through the park line, a parking lot and it kind of slid a little bit, hit about two cars, and the door opened, and this guy and I, I mean, I was bigger than I then than I am now, but uh, he's a big guy, and he gets out, and he's got a chain, and he starts going like this, like a, like a, a chain you, you tow a car by, and he's just rolling around like that, and I thought, that moment I had this revelation, I thought, I'm only getting paid minimum wage, $3.35 an hour, I don't feel like I'm going to lay my life on the line, I'm not the shepherd in this picture. And I just kind of backed up a little bit, and I thought, I don't know what she took, but that chain on my head is not going to be worth it. Up to that point, I'm like, yeah, let's go get him. And then the dynamic changed. And I'm just telling you this, the shepherd, he doesn't back away from you. He he says, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and, And know this, that he's going to bring comfort when no one else can bring the comfort that he brings. Comfort is supplied in his presence, right? His rod and his staff are going to bring comfort. The word says this in Psalms thirty-four eighteen that God is near the brokenhearted. I can tell you, I can, we can go through the book of Psalms and, and, and other places. The apostle Paul said he is the God of all comfort, that he brings comfort into our life. It's one of the nuances of his presence, comfort. Maybe you're hurting right now. Maybe you're looking at life and you're like, I don't know how to deal with this. Maybe there's been a loss in your life of a person that meant a lot to you or a loss of something that was uh, significant in your life, and I'm just saying this, he brings comfort. It's supplied in his presence. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Deuteronomy 3.18 said, and the Lord is the one who is going ahead of you. He will be with you. In the New American Standard your Bible says, he will not desert you or abandon you, right? He's not going to leave or forsake you. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Joshua 1.9, I read it on Wednesday night. And the Lord is the one, I'm sorry, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The promise is that he's going to be with us, and because he's with us, we don't have to fear, we don't have to worry, we shouldn't be dismayed or frightened or terrified. We can have courage. Courage is your posture in his presence, or the nuances of his presence is that we can stand courageously, not not in our own ability and not, not in what we can do. How many know that? It's not about what we can do. I mean, I heard a guy one time says, I feel like I could charge hell with a water gun. I'm like, well, I'd be careful. You've ever taken Jesus with you. I hope, he's got, I hope he's got the water gun in his hand because let me tell you something, you're no match for the enemy. But Jesus has already defeated him. You hear what I'm saying? I'm, t- I'm just saying this, that, that in our own strength, uh, the, the New Testament talks about like this, that it's weakness that we have. It's his, he's the one that has the strength. But what he promises is he's not going to be, he's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. I thought about yesterday, let me get one drink here. One thing we didn't have in grandma's house was bottled water. If you wanted water, you went over to the sink and she'd get some out of the faucet and you just drank that water. And we didn't die. I did lose my hair, and that kind of bothers me a little bit still, but but Olivia, our youngest granddaughter she 's two she 's trying to say she 's three because there 's benefits that come with being three, but she 's just two she's just, and she 's smart enough to know you know i 'm going to be three or sometimes she'll say i'm, I'm three, and then she'll we'll say no you 're not three she says i'm going to be three <laughs> she 's like it's coming, but we had her for a few hours yesterday and and um she was wanting to go with the other girls. They were going someplace, and she's wanting to go with them. They're older, and she wanted to be with them. And, and uh, I said, well, Olivia, they don't know the secret thing we're going to do. Like, I'm just, like, throwing this out there. I don't know what's it's going to be either. You know, we're going to get something, do something. I don't know. I'm trying to let her know it's going to be fun. And uh, Sophia, the oldest one, leans over and says, ask her what the secret was. Now, I don't know what she's going to say, but what she said was, we're going to Disney. She don't know the time and, and the distance and all that stuff, but she just figures in a few hours she's gonna be with us while they're not having any fun at all. She's going to Disney and we're gonna make it happen. And so then later on, you know, and I know there's a lot of thoughts about Disney, but I'm just this is what she said. And and we were there not too many months ago and and, and free tickets, and it was kind of nice. And uh riding some of the rides, and I said so I said, What rides are we gonna ride and and are we going to ride Winnie the Pooh? And she's like, yes, we're going to ride Winnie the Pooh. And it's a small world. She wants to ride that one. Which, is, those are some of my favorite rides. And uh, then some other couple of them. And there was this rocket spaceship ride that she rode when she was there. And she didn't like it at all. It was kind of high up. It was the first one she rode. And it's kind of high up. And I went around this thing. I mean, it really didn't do much. just went around in a circle. But, you know, the other ones all liked it. But Olivia's like, she didn't like it. She's, like, glad to get off of it. And later that d- day, she'd say, she'd say, well, I'd say, you want to ride this ride? She said, I don't want to ride space rocket. It goes faster. <laughs> she didn't like it. She, like, she didn't, li- me no lucky space rocket. It's kind of what she's saying, you know? She didn't like it. I mean, it's late in the day. She's still saying, you want to ride this one? She just reminded us, I don't want to ride that ride again. But then we're talking, you know, about this Disney trip we're going to make in three hours in our, you know, supersonic jet or whatever it is. And she's saying, I, I said something about the space rocket. She said, me can ride it now. I'm feeling pretty brave. Now, if we're actually there, I don't know, but I'm saying it right there. She's feeling pretty brave. And then she wanted to ride Slinky Dog so much. You know Slinky Dog. He's famous. He's an actor in movies and stuff and, you know. It's, 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 it's the, the, there's a ride. It's a little bit of a roller coaster. And, and so she's wanting to ride that. We got there though. She wasn't tall enough, but I think she's glad she wasn't tall enough because it goes faster too. And so, but I said something about slinky dog. And she said, she said, yeah, I'm going to ride it. She said, you're going to ride it with me. And she said, you're going to hold me and keep me from falling out. See, here's what she's saying. On my own, I don't feel like I have courage to write it, but if I know you're with me and you're holding me and protecting me and not letting me go, then I think I could do it. And I just want to tell you this. That's what Jesus is telling us. He knows we can't do it. He knows we might be afraid in our own self. He knows we may fear. We may be terrified at times. And he says this, I'm going to hold you tightly so you won't fall. You can put your confidence and trust in me, and you can have courage because I'm not going to let you fall. That's his promise to us this morning. And I just would say this, that when you start understanding that when you're in his presence, there are nuances of healing, of joy, of comfort, and of courage that can be yours.